Just Thinking is now available on the Family Radio app. If you're not familiar with Family Radio, you're in for a treat. Family Radio is a different kind of radio station. We are passionate about the Word of God. If you like the Just Thinking podcast, you'll love our bold biblical teachers like John MacArthur, Alistair Begg, and many more. Our stories of hope testify to the power of Christ to change lives. And our music will help you worship God throughout the day. Classic hymns, new hymns, and worship rich in theology. We are honored to add Just Thinking to the Family Radio app. Find out more at familyradio.org or download the Family Radio app from your favorite app store. Family Radio and Just Thinking, coming together to keep you thinking from a gospel point of view. another edition of the just thinking podcast i am virgil walker and i am daryl harrison what's going on in your neighborhood oh my he (laughs) (laughs) what up what up what up what's going on pastor listen listen, all right bishop listen Listen, man. Listen, you—you. You, I was gonna tell you, you—you you almost sounded like uh, John Cooper, man. He kind of—he kind of hits those little little tones in there, man. Our, our brother John Listen, Cooper man. from no, from no, Cooper, nobody Cooper hits, stuff. Nope, nobody hits those notes like Coop. No okay? doubt, man. nobody, nobody no doubt. does, man. It's all. How good. you feeling, bro? Man, I feel I feel really good, man. It's it's a little bit rainy here, but again, it's it's you know coming out of winter, going into spring. We just get, did. Daylight savings time and all of that good stuff, and so uh, we are we are recording this on March fourteenth, Sunday, March fourteenth, and so uh, yeah, it, it's a yep twenty twenty one. It's a little bit rainy here, but man, it, it's it's bright. I've got the lights, man, so that we can see one another and uh, uh, and get and get into this 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 special episode, man, of the Just Thinking podcast. Special freestyle episode, bro. Freestyle no doubt. before. 
for our newer listeners, newer listeners to the Just Thinking podcast, this may be their first opportunity to hear us on a, what we call a freestyle episode. So let me just explain what a freestyle episode is. A freestyle episode for Virgil and me is more is an episode where we have more of a high level outline. We really don't do the deep, deep expositional preparation uh, and research for a freestyle episode that we normally would for one of our non-freestyle episodes. However, that's not to say that we don't have any kind of structure or format or flow. We, like I said earlier, we do have an outline that we're going to follow, but this is more uh, open-ended. Uh, you know, We have titled this episode Theory Versus Theology, Theory Versus Theology. So we do have a thesis that we're going to present, uh, but it's less uh, structured, if you will, than our normal uh, episode. So this is a freestyle episode that's coming right after, maybe just a couple weeks after episode 108 that we uh, released on February 24th called Critical Race Theory, yeah. uh, an episode which is, uh, thanks to our listeners, has just absolutely exploded mm-hmm. um, as, as far as listenership, downloads, um, and we continue to be humbled by the feedback that we're getting from our listeners uh, on how edifying that episode has been uh, to them. So uh, this is a freestyle episode, episode 109, Theory mm-hmm. versus Theology. Uh, so there's no telling what you may hear yeah, <laughs> from behind these microphones today. No, I'm excited, man. I, I want to say, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Daryl, I think that was, was George Floyd in the Gospel the first freestyle episode that we did? I believe it may have been. I believe yeah. so. It may yeah, have been. That, that, that may have been. I mean, we, when we first got started, we had we, we began developing more structure around it, but but for the most part, we would grab we would grab the latest headlines and kind of rock and roll. But but I think the, the you know as as we kind of progressed, what we began to call freestyle was just a, a little bit of a deviation from from what you know what we had. I mean, you, you normally you send me you know twenty thirty pages of notes, and and we've done tens of hours of in depth in-depth uh, info and, and research and, and all of that on, on all of this. And so this is, this is not that. This is more of a, uh, we, we got some bullets. We're going to, we, this is, this is more my speed, man. This is more. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> this is okay. more my speed where, where we got some bullets and we, and we rock and roll. But uh, we, that, that again, to the point you made, we, we're not, we're not going to be uh, short on inf- information. We're not going to be shy about opening up the pages of scripture, man, before we jump into things, we got a number of different uh, announcements, man. I, I wanted you to kick us off and let folks know where we are going to be in a, in a handful of days, man. Yeah. So by the time this episode airs, which we scheduled it for May 17th to drop on May 17th, 2021, yep. March, you March. and I, I'm sorry, March, March. Right, I got right. my M's, I got my M's <laughs> mixed up. Yep. March, uh, March 17th is when this episode is going to drop. So by then you and I, along with hundreds of other uh, believers, are going to be in Orlando, Florida, for Ligonier's National Conference, Ligonier's mm-hmm. Annual National Conference, mm-hmm. which is uh, from March 18th through the 20th, 2021, in Orlando, Florida. It's going to be held at First Baptist Church of Orlando. That's the Ligonier Conference. So, yeah, so by the time this episode drops, that's where we will be, uh, my yeah. friend, and looking forward to that. Yeah, if you're in the area, man, we'd love to we'd love to run into you. If you're listening to this on your way to uh, the Ligonier Conference, we'd love to run into you. And then again on June 11th and 12th, there is a a, a really special conference called Wokeness and the Gospel on June 11th and 12th. And for, if you're interested in checking that out, uh, you can go to Wokeness and 
gospel.org, wokenessandgospel.org. The reason why I want to bring it up is because we're going to have uh, Mr. Daryl Harrison uh, there as one of the primary speakers. They got some great speakers on Strand, yeah. uh, uh, Tom Buck. I mean, there's a lot of different guys, but but uh, I, I'm excited because my brother is going to be there and uh, looking forward to that. Man, where's that Where's that located, Daryl? I probably should. Yeah, that's going to be, if you're in the area of Denton, Texas, Okay. Denton, Texas is going to be held at Denton Bible Church uh, in Denton, Texas. Again, that's June 11th and 12th. And as, as you mentioned, uh, Omaha, I'll be there with Owen Strand, Tom Buck and, and, and other speakers talking about the dangers of wokeness uh, to the church. So, again, go to wokenessandgospel.org, wokenessandgospel.org to register for that. Awesome. The thing I wanted to announce that I'm excited about is the G3 conference. G3 conference. Look, whatever you need to do to save up your coins and get to Atlanta on September 30th through October 2nd, we want you to be there. Daryl and I will be there together. Uh, It's going to be an amazing time that we're going to have in Atlanta, September 30th through October 2nd. If you have not registered, do so. Quickly, g3min.org to register. Now, I want to I mention this. Fans of the Just Thinking Podcast can also use our discount code. I kind of I know one of the guys who's, who's over the discount codes, Daryl. So I, 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 figured, I, I figured I'd talk to myself and make sure that we were able to offer, the just Think, <laughs> to offer our Just Thinking fans a discount. So yeah, I, can see, I can see why you did that too. Ver. I mean, you're only the executive director of operations. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, 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 that's all. That's all. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're a fan of the Just Thinking podcast and you want to receive a 15 percent discount off of the registration. Uh, when you go uh, to check out, you're going to type in the discount code G, the number three, JT. G, the number three, JT for just thinking, and you'll receive 15% off of your registration for the conference. And Daryl and I would count it an honor to get a chance to meet you there. The last time we were there together, man, we had an absolute ball. It was wonderful to, yeah, to connect really with with our fans. And so we, 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 both of us are slated to on, on schedule. I don't know what they've got us doing. If we're speaking, if we're doing a live, live, just thinking podcast, I don't know what we're doing just yet, but, but we'll be doing something and we'd love to, we'd love to meet you there. And one last announcement that we have, we just want to remind our listeners of the just thinking scholarship. The just thinking scholarship is a partnership between just thinking ministries and the master's university here in Southern California. This is a $10,000 scholarship being offered by the Master's University called the Just Thinking Scholarship. We're offering five $10,000 scholarships for entering uh, students for the fall academic year beginning fall 2021. The deadline to apply for this scholarship is April 30th, okay, April 30th. So what you want to do if you're interested interested in applying for the scholarship, go to justthinking.me slash scholarship. Just thinking dot me slash scholarship. Again, that website address is just thinking. That's one word. Just thinking dot me forward slash scholarship. Okay. All right. Verge, we got anything else, bro? That's it, man. We 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 hit it top to bottom. We're gonna jump into the whole reason and perhaps the rationale behind a freestyle. Episode. We don't we don't do these often, uh, but when we do, we we do have a lot of fun. It's kind of the opportunity to sit and just listen to two brothers uh, who who love the Word of God, who love one another, just talk about 
uh, a number of different things. But we wanted to do a freestyle episode about the issues within the church that, that are being impacted by critical theory and critical race theory. Now, this is off of the backdrop of the show that we just did, uh, episode 108, uh, about critical race theory. I, I really began to try to develop a, a thesis around this. And, and coming off of that particular episode, one of the things I, I noticed, we had spent so much time, Daryl and I both had spent so much time going to original resources, looking at what the scholars were saying about critical race theory and about critical theory. And coming out of that, I began to see just through the landscape of culture, primarily church culture, how critical theory and critical race theory has has devastating impacts uh, on, on the church. And so I, I began to kind of develop this idea around uh, a thesis. And so let me lay it out for you and we'll, we'll kind of talk, talk through it. Uh, and here's the thesis. It's, it's this, that while, while claiming to be a lens by which to analyze, examine, and restore culture, CT, that's critical theory, and CRT, critical race theory, only bring with them death, destruction, and divisiveness. So let me say that again. While claiming to be a lens by which to analyze, examine, and restore culture, CT, critical theory, and CRT, critical race theory, only bring with them death, destruction, and divisiveness. And, 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 and I, I, when I use those words, I'm, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. This is not hyperbole. I, I, I really try to think through where can we go uh, through the landscape of any culture and see CT and CRT implemented to the degree that it's had success uh, in a culture? Where, where can we go to identify how this thing works so well that we want to emulate it? And the reality is you, you can't. You, you, you can't find anywhere where that's mm-hmm. been the case, where, that's been, where, where, where CT and CRT have been, been utilized for the purpose of upbuilding, uplifting a culture and a people. And so it's, it's with that, that, that there was a, there was a, a particular idea that ran through my mind. So before, before we jump into a review, I wanted to kind of, kind of share our listeners with our listeners what goes on in the mind of Virgil Walker. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is, Man, it is what I, it is. I don't know about that either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here, here's where I was, Daryl. I'm, 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 I'm kind of processing this stuff in my mind. I'm getting ready for our show, and I'm, I'm trying to even put the words around a thesis. Man, one of the things that you kind of taught me how to do is, hey, here's, here's the thesis for the show. Here's where we're going to go, and, and, and kind of building around that and then developing a line of argumentation. And so mm-hmm. as, as I'm walking around my, uh, my, my house uh, yesterday, the day before, just kind of thinking through this, there was, there was a particular commercial that kept coming to mind. And so I've got to share this with you. This was it, this was a commercial that was uh, that aired first in 1972. It was a famous commercial that had a 12 year run. It ended up being one of the longest and continuously running commercial campaigns ever aired. Now, if because of the fact that I said it's 1972, folks are gonna be like, "How old is this brother?" Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I was not watching television in 1972. This 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 television this uh, commercial had a 12 year run, so it was it was around for a little while. This was a breakfast commercial, and the commercial focuses on three young brothers, and these three brothers are getting ready to eat breakfast. Does this ring a bell, man? To, for, for, rings for you a bell, all? bro. It, it rings a yeah. bell loud and clear, bro. Yeah. Good, good. I know exactly the, what you're talking about. Yep. In a commercial, it was there was a heaping bowl of Quaker oats 
life brand cereal. This was breakfast cereal that was placed in front of these two brothers. And the two brothers questioned each other about the cereal, prodding each other. Uh, You you might have remembered it kind of like this. I'm not going to try it. You try it. They're pushing this bowl of cereal back and forth between each other. I'm not going to try it. You try it. Right? And so, <laughs> and so they get together and they're sitting there looking at this bowl. And they, they go, I, I know what we oh. could do. Let's get Mikey. And they, they, they pass this bowl over to their younger brother, Mikey. And they say, he, he won't eat it. He hates everything. And then all of a sudden they turn around to see that Mikey eats the bowl after, after, after moments of contemplation. He vigorously begins consuming the bowl of cereal before him, resulting in the brothers excitedly exclaiming, exclaiming he likes it. Hey, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> so the, here's, here's the crazy part of this, man. This, this imagery, bro, is going through my mind nonstop. And here's what happened. I began thinking about the issue of CRT. <laughs> CRT begins to be this bowl of cereal that everybody is pushing back and forth going, I'm not going to try it. You try, <laughs> you try it. it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I mean, they, they know this thing is not good. It is not good at all. I mean, it's cl- while claiming to be healthy, it's got all these sugary, you know, all this kind of stuff added to it. And uh, they're thinking, I'm not going to try it. You try it. Well, well how, how has the church responded? Well, the church has responded just like Mikey, right? Yep. They've, be- they've become the human garbage disposal for everything that others want to feed it, right? Most, most of us watch in shock. We're surprised that the church is eating this false ideology without a thought about the consequences. So here, here I was, as I thought about CRT, its consequences and implications. Now, I, I recognize that much like, much like the graphic that we produced in the episode, this is an opportunity for us to look at two different roads. We, yep. we, we can we make a decision, right, whether we're going to consume this bowl of, 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 of unhealthy cereal called CRT or, or not, uh, or we can look at it in a, in a different way. We've got two, two roads ahead of us, and, and I know you're going to elaborate on this to a greater degree later, but it, it's the reason why we've labeled our show uh, theory or theology, whether or not we're going to, we're going to engage in theory uh, and, and CRT, critical theory, critical race theory, or really engage in the theology that the Bible actually takes. We, we have an opportunity to decide which route to take one filled with solid biblical theology and the other filled with deadly destructive and divisive theory. Now, that 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 by way of introduction, man. You want you got anything you want to jump in here yeah, with? I, I got to jump in here, man, because <laughs> I remember that life cereal commercial. Mm-hmm. And as I'm listening to you, man, sort of make the connection between how the church is responding to CT and CRT and that life cereal commercial. First of all, that's a brilliant, brilliant depiction of that because you got three little brothers, and I'm envisioning in my mind that those three little brother, brothers represent various denominations within the evangelical right. church. Right. Okay. So, you, so you got one, one, one. I'm just going to throw some denominations out there, but the third denomination is legit. It's not. I'm not just throwing that one out there because that's what's happening within this one particular denomination. Mm-hmm. Let's say the other, the t- two other brothers who uh, won't eat the life cereal. That you know, that's uh, that's uh, uh, the Methodists and the Presbyterians. Let's just call it. Right. But the, right. The, the the little brother that ends up eating the life cereal, he's a CRT. <laughs> is right. a Southern Southern Baptist. Right. Southern Baptist <laughs> right. Convention. Right. So, right. The, so the pre- right. The pre- right. 
Presbyterians and, and Episcopalians or the Methodists or whoever you want to put in there said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to try it. You try it. So right. the, the Presbyterians said, I'm not going to try it. The Methodists said, well, I'm not going to try it. The uh, Presbyterians said, no, you try it. They go back and forth. So no, I'm not going to. I know what. And so they said, wait, I know what. Let's 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 let the uh, Southern Baptist try it. Let's right. let, so, so, so Mikey is the Southern Baptist. <laughs> right. Mikey right. is the Southern Baptist Convention. Right, right. Just, just I drinking know, it down. Let's, let's. I know. Let's, let's give it to Mikey. He, but he won't eat it. He hates everything. It's everything. And now you turn okay. around. You slide. You slide the salt, the bowl of CRT cereal over to Mikey, over to the Southern right. Baptist Convention, and right. to their shock, to the shock and amazement of the Presbyterians and the Episcopalians and the Methodists, Mikey's eating the cereal. Absolutely, he's eating it up. He's eating Absolutely. it up. Absolutely. That that's the Southern Baptist Convention right now today as we sit here. They Absolutely. are Mikey. Eating the CRT cereal when no one else can figure out why in the world they why would do it. why are they eating it why are they eating it and so I, I I had that rolling around in my head and I thought okay here here's here's the visual for me now let me let me put down in words what's actually what's actually taking place well at, by way of quick review man the last episode we discussed some important things that that actually bear repeating here and and one of the things Daryl that you said that I thought was incredibly helpful. And, and, and this was this was something you said. You said, I cannot help but be convinced that the evangelical church in America today in its pragmatic and misplaced zeal to embrace the paganistic philosophy that is critical race theory has completely inverted that order and made the things of the world primary and made the things of the soul secondary. Brother, you said a mouthful in that one particular quote, as I went back through and looked at our notes, there was a there was a chunk of things that I that I could have pulled, but but again, th- there was so much. I think at the very beginning that you said that I wanted to revisit because I, I want to use it as a leaping off pad for where we go next in this particular freestyle episode. What do you got, brother? Yeah, so uh, let me let me just say first of all, Omaha, I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say here at the outset uh, up against. That quote that you just alluded to that I made in episode 108 of the Just Thinking podcast titled Critical Race Theory. So I have a lot to say here, but let me begin by reminding our listeners that I made the aforementioned comment subsequent to a quote that I cited from the book Practical Religion. The book's Mm -hmm. called Practical Religion by J.C. Ryle. And from that book, I took J.C. Ryle's quote where he says this, the things of the soul come first. And the things of the world come second. Very, very simple, yet very profound words from J.C. Ryle. The things of the soul come first and the things of the world come second. So it was against the backdrop of those words from J.C. Ryle that I commented that the evangelical church today has inverted that order. Okay, that order that J.C. Ryle is talking about in that as it continues to engage in this sort of pragmatic tap dance with critical race theory. It is making the things of the world primary and the things of the soul secondary. So that's mm-hmm. what I mean when we when we say that the church has inverted that order where J.C. Ryle says the things of the soul should come first and the, the things of the world second. The church, as it continues to tap dance uh, with critical race theory, is it has inverted that order and made the things of the world primary as opposed mm-hmm. to the things of the soul. Now, mm-hmm. in fact, in the weeks since our episode on critical race theory was released back on February 24th, 2021, I've been reflecting on those words from J.C. Rowell and on how the evangelical church today, if we can even call it evangelical anymore, that's right, up for right, discussion. Right, right. How the evangelical church seems to have lapsed into an almost comatose-like state 
with regard to its virtually non-existent emphasis and focus on sin, on eternity, and on the condition of people's souls. Mm. I mean, I'm, I am truly burdened by this, and I say that with all humility. I mean, it bothers me in my spirit, and I'm sure I speak for you as well, Omaha, yeah. that many churches today that consider themselves to be evangelical seem to be putting forth more effort to, quote, evangelize, unquote, their congregants about the temporal societal benefits, which there aren't any, by the way, but right, they're continuing right. to evangelize their congregants about the temporal and societal benefits of critical race theory. That They're putting more effort into that than into evangelizing them about the eternal spiritual benefits that are to be found only in Jesus Christ. Right. right. Now, 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 I say that in view of this passage of Scripture in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, unquote. Now, that was 1 Peter 1, Verses three through five. I mean, what a wonderful, beautiful promise that is for believers in Christ, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet, many professing believers today seem to be content in their own salvation, but not in the salvation of others who are spiritually lost, just as they themselves were at one point in their life. Now, but before you and I became believers in Christ, Omaha, each of us was at one point in time in the same position spiritually as, for example, was the Samaritan woman at the well. We see that in John chapter 4, verse 10, where Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, let me just say this. I was saying earlier that the church seems to be putting more emphasis in evangelizing their congregants about the benefits of critical race theory than about the benefits that are to be found in Jesus Christ. Come on, man. We just read from 1 Peter 1. We read from 1 Peter 1. And when you look at what Peter says in in that passage, that in Christ we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, that is reserved in heaven for you. That phrase reserved in heaven for you means that your inheritance literally has your name on it. Mm. Your name is on it, okay? See, critical theory can't give you that. Bro, bro, I've got to stop you here, man. I, 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 what you just said is incredibly profound, and and again, if if we if we were if we had a black church, right, you you'd be shouted down right about now. Um, what what you just said should cause us all pause, and 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 we should extract from those words a tremendous amount of worship to God. Amen, the fact bro. that the fact that we have. And inheritance, and then you, and, and then, and then you added to that, made for us by God the Father Himself, bro. What? Why would? Why would we look for an analytical tool to help fix something temporal when we exactly. have an, when we have an eternal hope in God who has fixed all things for us and made them right? That that it doesn't make sense. Exactly, bro. That's exactly my point for citing that verse. I'm going to read it again. Believer in Christ, this is this is you. This is you. That you have an inheritance, Peter says, which is imperishable, 
and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. You see, what we need to understand, uh, Omaha's believers, is CRT offers a salvation as well. We Mm -hmm. we said Mm -hmm. this in our episode, episode 108 on critical race theory, that critical race theorists or crits, as they like to call themselves, right. are they? They they are proffering a soteriology as well. They're proffering a doctrine of salvation as well. Mm-hmm. But but see, the problem is that 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 salvation is earthly, is temporal, is worldly. You see, CRT mm-hmm. cannot say that their reward, for lack of a better word, their what they're trying to proffer you. CRT cannot say that that what they're offering you is imperishable. They can't right. say that. They right. can't say that what they're offering you is undefiled. They can't mm-hmm. say that. They can't mm-hmm. say that what they're offering you will not fade away. You see, they can't say that about CRT. Mm-hmm. Only the gospel can say that, you right. see. And that's what the gospel promises to believers in Christ, that your inheritance is waiting for you with your name on it. That inheritance is being protected by God. Matter of fact, your very faith in God is being prote- protected so that you can, toward the end, toward the time, toward the day, when you finally receive that inheritance. I mean, it's like I was saying, that's a wonderful, beautiful promise. Okay. And yet here we are as a church, especially in America, succumbing to the empty, shallow, temporal, uh, 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 worldly philosophy that is critical race theory. Right. Uh, and in many churches, there's being more emphasis placed on that than the salvation and the inheritance and the rewards and the blessings that are offered in, uh, by faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, this is dumbfounding to me. Right. This is dumbfounding. Right. And, w- and when you look at it again, when you look at that First Peter passage, First Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, you look at what Christ has done for us, okay? And again, as I was saying earlier, each of us, I, I love John 4 and the account of Jesus' uh, discourse with the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. I love John 4. And the reason I bring up John 4 is that the church should be involved in telling unbelievers who are on their way to hell where they can get this living water. That's what the church should be about. Amen. The church church should not be in the business of of advocating and promoting a, uh, a demonic ideology and philosophy that inherently pits image bearers of God against one another. That's good. Toward, toward achieving uh, 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 or, or realizing some empty, temporal, and even sinful payoff. Right. Which is what, C, which is what CRT is. The church is supposed to be involved in telling sinners who are on their way to hell, who are un, under the wrath of God as we speak, where to get that living water that they're going to need, not only for this life, but for the life to come. Yeah, I, w- I want to amplify something you just said, which was an empty payoff, an empty payoff. We think, we think that, I mean, again, the promise is a payoff. The promise is a payday, right? But, but the only people who get paid are those in positions of power. Right. They're the, they're the only ones who, I mean, Black Lives Matter has extracted millions and, and, and some untold billions of dollars over the course of years. But those they claim to be advocating for, their pockets are empty as a result of them being advocated for by, by, by BLM. 
And and so it it, it absolutely is an empty payoff for for a for what what amounts to temporal gain. And 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 again, we have an eternal reward that is imperishable. But but we exchange that. We've exchanged, we evangelicals, many, many evangelicals have exchanged the proclamation of that eternal uh, uh, reward, imperishable reward for a temporal empty gain. And again, I'm just amplifying what you said because I really want us to remember that particular point. You know, how every person on this planet, okay, I want to just go back to the, uh, the account in John 4 of Jesus's uh, encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well and where he tells her, uh, if you had, if you had known the gift of God mm-hmm. and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and we, he would have given you living water. See the, the Samaritan woman went to the well thinking she had a need to fill her bucket with physical water. Right. She thought she knew what she needed, but she didn't know what she really needed until Jesus told her. You see, mm, that's good. That's what, good. What, 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 what critical theory, critical theory acts in the same way. Critical theory will try to tell you what well, you think you need. You, you think you need power. You, you need this power. Mm-hmm. You, you need this opportunity. You need this money. Uh, you, you, you need this advantage or, right. you, you know, you, you, you need you, this you, privilege. Right. Or, 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 or worse, Omaha, you deserve this. Right. So, so, right. so if they, if they don't, they, they, they start by telling you, you need this, then they graduate that to telling you that you deserve this. Mm-hmm. And then you deserve this because someone else took advantage of you, mm-hmm. which is why you don't have what I'm telling you, you need and deserve. Okay. Right. But in the right. church, see the church, see what, what, what we said this before on the just thinking podcast that our audience primarily is the church. Right. We're speaking primarily right. every time we get behind these microphones, we're speaking to believers, okay? Mm-hmm. We're not speaking to the mm-hmm. world. Right. Like we always say, we expect the world to act like the world. So we don't waste our yeah. time behind these microphones talking to the world. We're right. talking to the church. And see, we need to remind ourselves that every person on this planet is in dire need of the same living water that that Samaritan woman at the well needed. But critical race theory cannot give you that living water. Mm-hmm. The social gospel cannot give you that living water. Nor can Marxism give it to you. Black Lives Matter can't give it to you. And so-called stimulus checks from the government can't give that to you. (laughs) Only Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ, the son of the living God, can truly and eternally satisfy the thirst that exists in your soul. Amen. This thirst thirst that 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 you have, listener, is in your soul. That's the thirst of the soul. Mm -hmm. Nothing temporal is ever going to satisfy that. Right, right. I mean, listen to what Jesus says in John six thirty five. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. See, when your stimulus check is gone, you're still going to get hungry again. Mm. <laughs> you're going to get thirsty again when critical, race, right. when, when, when critical race theory dies down, when it runs its course, you're still going to get hungry. You're going to get thirsty again. And where are you going to go? Right. Where are you going to go? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me, he, he, Jesus didn't say he who believes in me will not thirst. He said, Jesus, he said, he who believes in me will never thirst. thirst. Never thirst. Okay. And, and let me just, as an aside here, I just want to mem- mention something. You know, on Sunday nights at Grace Community Church, before the sermon is given, there are baptisms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you should hear these men, women, and even mm-hmm. children, Omaha. Yeah share yeah. their very explicit 
and very specific testimonies about how God brought them out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. That, that, right. that's, I'm alluding to Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, right. where Paul writes this. He says, for he, that is Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. But and and when 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 we when we when we see these these men, women, and children on Sunday evenings at Grace Community Church, yeah, in the baptismal pool, read from their in their own words, right. read in their own words, right? What the gospel has done in their lives is just unbelievable. I mean, some of the things you hear, and the, and these are individuals who they don't just give you a general high-level cursory overview of how sinful their former lives were. They get very specific and tell you what sins they were were steeped in. Mm -hmm. They tell you specifically and very explicitly what sins they were in bondage to. So I encourage our listeners to go to, if you're unable to be there in person on Sunday evenings, those services are live streamed. So just go to gracechurch.org slash live. gracechurch.org slash live. That's Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Okay. That's 6 p.m. Pacific time. And you can watch these baptisms take place and you can listen to these testimonies for yourselves and hear how the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms people's hearts and lives. I mean, it's just like the apostle Paul says in first Thessalonians 2 13, where he says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the yeah. word of men, but for the word for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Now, I'm going to say this, then I'll turn it over to you. I, I want to say this. First Thessalonians 2.13 is, 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 is a, 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 just a keystone text for mm-hmm. believers to become familiar with. Because when Paul says he, com- he is commending the Thessalonian believers for accepting the gospel that as it was preached to them by the apostles, not as the word of men, but for for what Paul says, for what it really is, the word of God, which performs its work in you who believe. See, the reason the church gets latched on to philosophies like critical race theory is because they don't believe that anymore. Yeah, this is good. Yep, yep, yep. They do not believe. We do not believe in the church anymore that the gospel works, performs its work in the hearts of those who believe. We don't believe right. that anymore. And right. I've always been puzzled by the fact that why is it, especially evangelical, uh, uh, professing evangelicals who happen to support critical race theory. What mm-hmm. I want to ask those folks is this. Why is it that you believe that, that the same gospel that worked in your heart to transform your heart from, right. stone, uh, from stone to flesh, why do you doubt that that gospel can work in the heart of another person? We're talking about the same gospel. Right. Right. We're talking about the same gospel that Paul's talking about here in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. So what you're saying is that the gospel that delivered you from under the wrath of God uh, by faith, 1 Corinthians 1.30, says that by his doing, by God's doing, you are in Christ Jesus. So God monogistically saves you by the right. power of his gospel that you heard. And yet you think that you're, the, game, the same gospel that saved you needs to be mm-hmm. augmented with, with a worldly philosophy like critical race theory in right. order to become fully orbed in it? I don't understand that. I don't understand Right, that. 
Right. Now, I, I, I'm totally with you. Uh, two thoughts around that. One is, is first from where you started, which was that f- the folks don't really believe that the gospel to be able to, to work and do what it was designed to in the heart of the believer. We don't seem to believe that. What we believe is that the gospel is the, the elementary, right? The gospel is the basics, and then we graduate to some other level. Uh, we, we, we graduate and then, and, and in charismatic circles, once you graduated, now you're into the move of the spirit, right? So, so we completely right. negate, we completely negate what Christ did on a cross, uh, that, that got us, that got us through the door. And now in order to experience the full measure of life, we got to enter, enter into the, the, the aspects of, of the spirit. And what we mean by the spirit are not the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer as a result of gospel proclamation in the heart. What we mean is this mystical experience of, of revelatory Man, on, ideas, of prophetic words and utterances, and, 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 and the like, rather than recognizing that, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of your heart to overcome sin in Man, the life on, of the new believer, right? We've forgotten that. We, for, we forget that scripture actually declares that truth and, 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 and amplify. We, we don't push people in that direction to understand the full measure of that work. The work of the gospel is sufficient to save. It's sufficient to restore. It's sufficient to, to conform you into the image of the son of God. And so again, I, man, as I, as I listen to you talk about as well, and, and I know this is freestyle, so I can jump all over just a little bit. Yes, sir. Um, do, your, do your thing, bro. We, you talked about the baptisms uh, at at uh, at Grace Community Church. I, I got a chance at one point to catch those, and I was so impacted by how those testimonies. And I know an either a deacon or, and or an elder had worked with the individuals so that they could craft their statement. But the statement was their own. Their statement was about their own life, yes. their own situation, their own condition. And I thought, how fitting that they have a video of. Of, of of something that they can look back upon and understand the magnitude of the of the miracle of the miraculous work of salvation in their lives so that they never forget where they were and where they've come and so that they can understand and believe that whatever issue they currently are facing as a believer in Christ he, he the, the the same God who was able to transform their heart to the point you made from a heart of stone to flesh is able to continue that work uh, in in their lives, and so I think that's incredibly incredibly important. I, I too would encourage others to take a look at at those videos. They're incredibly encouraging, and I think if you're a if, if you're a pastor or a, uh, or an elder at your church, I think you're going to want to, in some way, shape, or form, begin trying to identify. I I, I I'll, I'll say it this way: I, I, there there have been times when I've baptized people, and I want to hear their testimony of Christ. I want to know that they indeed have had a, a, a salvific experience. And so I ask them about their testimony rather than feeding them what they are to say. I want to hear from them how God right. has transformed their lives. And so I think writing that stuff down is incredibly important and helpful in that regard. So let me get back to, to, to just a, a, a flow of thought with regard to something that, that we're, that we're kind of building. And what you've established is the fact that we've abandoned evangelism. We who call ourselves evangelicals have abandoned that 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 charge that that great commission for the purpose of picking up something that that is temporal and truly empty, which is the advance of CRT. I, I completely agree. In fact, yesterday, brother, I was listening to uh, a, a a video that's out. Pastor Mike Stone he did an interview 
with Michael O'Fallon of Sovereign Nations. I don't know if you had a chance to see this. I've but, not had a uh, chance to look at that yet. No. Oh, bro! If you haven't, I, I I was tweeting some of the some of the statements that were made out yesterday. They were so uh, impactful. Mike Stone, he's the former executive. He's a former executive committee chairman for the SBC. He's the pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Blackshear, Georgia. And I hope I'm I hope I pronounced that correctly. That is uh, correct. He, Blackshear, Georgia. G- yeah. Good. I figured I figured if anybody would know uh, that being your stomping ground, you would you would know. But he he's he's running for the nomination for the presidency of the SBC. And during the interview, Mike said a number of things that I really believe people need to hear. And and, and basically, he echoed some of the comments, man, that, that you that you made earlier, Daryl, when you said that we've been so focused on transforming culture and society that we've neglected gospel proclamation, the gospel proclamation that actually transforms the heart of an individual who's, mm-hmm. who's otherwise on their, on their way to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, was, it was incredible because he, he remarked that he said, he, uh, Mike Stone, he said that what we've been calling, uh, what he, he said this, let me say it this way, quote, we, we have been calling everything in the SBC a gospel issue. We've been calling everything in the SBC a gospel issue. He said, when we call everything a gospel issue, then nothing is a gospel issue. He would go on to say that the gospel has become an adjective for far too many in the SBC. And, and so what, what, what I mean by that is we, we every, when everything becomes a, a gospel, a quote unquote gospel issue, it, it's an adjective. We, we need to address this issue because this is a quote unquote gospel issue. We need to address this issue because this is a quote unquote gospel issue. The more we make, he said, the more we make the gospel an adjective, the less we see the fruitfulness that the gospel intends. The more we make the gospel an adjective, the less we're seeing the fruitfulness mm-hmm. that the gospel actually intends. He said that the gospel is a noun and it describes the good news of salvation, the life, the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of, sin, of sins. What's, what's, what's been happening is that what, what we're witnessing is this idea that it's the, and you were mentioning this, that it is the church's responsibility to transform the culture. That, that, that it is, it is our responsibility to, to, to change society, right? That, that, that for somehow, in fact, you see that oftentimes, uh, on the, on the, the, uh, the websites of, of these new startup churches. You know, right. we're, we're here, to, we're here to change the culture. We're going to transform right. culture. We're going to, we're going to impact society by, by transforming culture. It, that, that mandate is not found anywhere in the scripture. Right. right? It's not. Now, now, I, I'm, I'm like, Nowhere. I might get pushed back from our post-millennial brothers for making a statement like that. However, the, the, the culture, the, 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 you know what I'm saying? The, 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 culture will on, the culture will only change insofar as we preach the gospel and that that gospel transforms the hearts of individuals who repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And, and and that gospel then then therefore renewing their minds. We we so so here's 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 what we have. On the one side we have biblical theology, and on the other side we have secular theory. And and that's kind of the that's kind of the contrast. We got two roads that we have an opportunity to to take a look at. So let me give you the the side that's that 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 is biblical theology and kind of what that states. Biblical theology states this. It states that we preach the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1, 16. That those who are in Christ are a new creation, that the old is passed away and the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That we are to honor Christ the Lord as holy. 
and that we're to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. First Peter 3, 15 and 16, that we're to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that God has commanded and with the promise that, that Christ himself would be with us even to the end of the age, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And, and what we do as believers in God who are, who are following the road of biblical theology is we rinse and repeat. We repeat right. that cycle <laughs> over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. We preach the gospel. Folks are transformed by the power of that gospel. They become new creations. They're, we're always prepared to give an answer. We go and make disciples of all nations, and then we rinse and repeat. That's the Bible. That's biblical theology. So, so what, what, does, what does the world offer? What is this opposite road that offers secular theory? What, what, is, what is their plan to achieve their ends, right? Well, let me give mm-hmm. you step by step. I believe they have a two-step process, right? The first step is this. The first step is deconstruction. The okay. first step is deconstruction. And, and they do this by, by, by presenting a brand new subjective narrative. Right, they they they, know, they abandon the meta narrative, the meta narrative of scripture, uh, the, the the idea that that Jesus has come to 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 bring forth a, a, to, to to transform the hearts of individuals through the proclamation of the gospel, mm-hmm. that Christ has come to make a payment for the sin debt that we owe mm-hmm. a sovereign God, that He is the propitiation of our sins. They've abandoned that for a subjective narrative. The, se- the second, the, the, the another aspect of that can is I, that they, can, I, can I interject yeah. something? Can I interject yeah, something absolutely. right here real quick? Absolutely. You're so right, number one, that they've abandoned what you talked about there, there at the end, what, about what the church has abandoned. And I have to say this. The reason the church has abandoned that, abandoned that rather, is because we don't take seriously the, the gravity of our sin. We do not take seriously enough the gravity of our sin against the holy God. Mm-hmm. And beca- because we don't appreciate the gravity of our sin, Associated with that is a lack of appreciation for the holiness of God. So when we get right. casual about that, when we get apathetic about that, when we get comfortable comfortable about that, and I'm going to speak on that more in just a minute. We've gotten so comfortable in that though that we we we, we open ourselves up to other things that we think. Okay, by our definition of what Christianity and the gospel should look like, we open ourselves up to these other extra biblical extra ecclesiastical uh, ideologies and philosophies right. just to make our own siloed Christian experience more beneficial to us. Right. That's when, good. When, so, so, so our, so our paradigm of the gospel starts with us rather than starting with God. So this is, so this is one reason why you're, you're dead on point with what you were saying there. Uh, and, 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 and this is a, another reason why I want to hearken back to the uh, uh, the passage in John four with the Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. So I'm, I'm looking at right now, man. As I listen to you, bro, I was looking at Luke chapter five, verse thirty two. Jesus said, "I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." Repentance. That's great. Repentance. Yep. yep. Repentance. Okay. So this is again. I've said this repeatedly. Christianity is not moralism. The gospel is not moralism. The gospel mm-hmm. is repentance from sin. Right. From right. sin. This is what Christ came to save you from. Your sin, which, okay, inherently from the moment you're conceived in your mother's womb, places you under the wrath of God. 
What worldly philosophy or ideology can deliver you from that? None. Zero. Zero. That, that's, that's the deal. Biblical theology has a roadmap for how that works, right? Exactly. Exactly. The, and, 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 and Jesus would say it this way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except by me. But, but, but secular theory has a, has a two-step process. So let me give it to you this way. One, the, step one is deconstruction. Step one is deconstruction, followed by step two, which is reconstruction. Reconstruction. So under the deconstruction, it takes on a variety of forms. It takes on what we just talked about, a, a new subjective narrative. It challenges all traditionally held meta-narratives, values, and beliefs. And they, they, they deconstruct by redefining terms. They deconstruct by, re- every, it, listen, we talked about this in our last episode. They will redefine every single word that we, t- that we hold near and dear. Words like man, like, like, yes. like male and female, right? Yes. They're going right. to de- they're gonna deconstruct words like marriage. They're going to deconstruct words like racism. They're going to deconstruct those words. They're going to deconstruct those words and redefine those terms so that they mean something that, were, that they were never intended to, to, to explain or express. They, have, they, they establish, by doing so, they establish a new etymology. Etymology is, a, is just a big fancy word for, for, for the origin and nature of and meaning of words. Mm-hmm. It is in, and you have said this a number of times on our podcast. That is why it's so important. When we begin talking about issues around race, gender, anything that we used, we use biblical terminology. Yes. You, you, you are constantly telling us we need to stay on the biblical turf by using biblical terms. Once we get off of the biblical turf, we end up on the world's turf and, the, and, and, we're, and we're in a situation where it means the, the end result is absolutely our demise. So that, that's, the, that's the deconstruction component. Let me just briefly run through the reconstruction component. The reconstruction component is, is a reconstruction on the basis of social justice, right? They, 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 the, the, the banner, the flag wave is this is all for the purpose of social justice. This is all to, to right wrongs. This is all to make everything right in, in their own eyes and sight. And they use intersectionality to do that. So, so the voices that are now able to speak are those who have been victimized. And by doing this, they establish a new power structure. They establish a new power structure. Mm-hmm. This, is an, this is an alliance that's built on grievance. This is the intersectionality coalition. They do this, and, and by doing this, they create a new, a new permanence, right? A, 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 new, a new group that can now uh, have the positions of power, uh, primarily in, in, in the political arena, but, 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 it, but it doesn't end there. Uh, the end result becomes that they want to they wanna hold all the positions of power, and right now, their, 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 their sights are aimed at the church. They right. recognize that the, that the last place by which power is held is, is the kingdom of God and, and they want to tear it down. And so they're aiming all of their guns at the church. And so they, they use those, those two processes, deconstruction and reconstruction, and they rinse and repeat. That's how they work their magic. But that, I, I wanted to go through those things. I think those are important for us to know, to understand, and to walk through. You know, Omaha, first of all, thank you for taking us through that, man. Deconstruction and then reconstruction, because that's exactly what they're, they're doing. And sadly, there are aspects of the church that are helping them do that. 
They're Absolutely. helping them do that because they've got this sort of kumbaya uh, visage of what the gospel is. And we alluded to yep. this, and again, in episode 108 on critical yep. race theory that, you know, there are evangelicals out there who think, well, you know, we just need to lock arms with the world and just try to get along and have peace. But, you know, like we said in our episode on unity, episode on 106, you know, that's not that's not unity. That's not peace. That's mm-hmm. a false. That's a false peace. That's Absolutely. a false peace. I mean, uh, Jesus says in John 17 in his high, his high priestly prayer to his fa- heavenly father before he was arrested and then uh, eventually crucified. Jesus asked and prayed to the father to not take us out of the world, to not take yes. his people out of the world. Well, why do you think that is? Why do you think Jesus specifically prayed? that believers not be taken out of the world. His prayer, and I want to point this out, Jesus praying that in John 17, those words intrinsically uh, establish two groups of people. There's Mm -hmm. the world and there's believers. There's the world and then there's the church. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I do not ask that you take them, believers, the church, out of the world. Right. That's two separate groups right there. So why are we working so hard to co-mingle ourselves and blend, and blend in the church, blend, blend in the world with the church so that right. we're one? Right. That, that's, that's not how that's not how that's supposed to work. That's not how Christ uh, uh, expects his church to work through us in the world. There are two distinct groups here. There's the church and then there's the world. OK, the church should not be trying to become like the world. That's not how this works. The church should be proclaiming the evangel, the gospel. We get so casual, man, just by using that phrase, the gospel. It's just so casual. It's just so casual. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Really? Do you even know what it is? Do you know what the gospel is? The second question is, do you care what it is? Right. Do you care what it is? I don't think we care enough that what the gospel is. This is why I said earlier. We have such a low value on sin and how, a, how offended a holy God is by our sin that we get offended. And listen, listen to this. We as sinners get offended at being called sinners. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Now, how, how absurd is that? Yes. As if, as if we deserve to be saved. As if we deserve God coming down into this sinful world in human flesh in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. We deserve to be, to be, we deserve for him to die on the cross. Come on, man. Come on, man. Where's, where, somebody cue the mascot. If, if folks would have seen me, man, I almost passed out, bro. I almost went back to my Pentecostal roots and and you know, you know, you know, they talk about being slain in the spirit. I I, I was like, I was passed out, man. man I was, don't you start, don't, don't you start know, speaking in tongues on this podcast. <laughs> uh, when you said, when you said, we think we deserve to be saved, bro. I almost hit the floor because that is exactly that is exactly how we. Respond. That is exactly how we respond to the gospel. I mean, how, how like we how deserve it. Gonna, how are you going to come along and say, "Well, you know, critical race theory is is good uh, to augment, to append to the gospel as an analytical tool"? Because saying that, 
presupposes that you deserve to be saved to begin with. Right. Right. I mean, what arrogance. I mean, seriously, what arrogance. What arrogance we have. But see, that's that's what comes when you have such a low view of your sin. When you're yes. when you're when your so-called Christianity gets so comfortable mm. that you just you can pop your collar, you know, you can flap your uh 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 uh, uh you, you can flap your, your hat, whatever you want to do, as, right. as if you deserve to be saved. No, right. you don't. None of us Mm-mm. deserve that. No, you know, one of my no. fav- favorite verses, I think I have this verse in my uh Twitter profile is Romans 5, 6. Mm-hmm. Let me just flip mm-hmm. there for a second. Since it's a freestyle episode, we're going to yeah, turn some we, pages. We're going to we turn, turn some we pages. We're turning pages. That's what we do on the Just Thinking <laughs> podcast. We turn pages. So let me, turn, let me turn to Romans 5, 6 real quick. Just as a refresher course here, okay? Romans 5, 6. Paul writes this. For while we were still helpless, mm. at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Yes, yes. Ungodly. That's who we were before Christ. You know, when you think about that, Omaha, I'm reminded of this sermon that Charles Spurgeon gave. Charles Haddon Spurgeon gave a sermon in uh, December of 1860 titled The Wailing of Risca. The mm-hmm. Wailing of Risca. Mm-hmm. Preached this sermon on December 9th, 1860, and he exhorted his congregation. Now, listen to, listen to this contrasted to what a lot of pastors in evangelicalism are talking about today. You, you won't mm-hmm. hear this. You won't hear this in the vast majority of evangelical pulpits. This is Charles Spurgeon from December 9th, 1860, quote, to his congregation, quote, Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay and not madly to destroy themselves. If hell must be filled at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Unquote. Mm-hmm. That was Charles wow. Spurgeon in his sermon, The Wailing of Risca from December 1860. Now, every professing believer within the sound of my voice right now should take to heart those words from Charles Spurgeon because that is what we as believers in Christ have been commanded by Christ to do. Yes. To employ, to employ, we are commanded to implore unbelievers of every tribe, tongue, and nation to come to faith in Jesus Christ at the Amen. risk of their soul being eternally damned in hell for their unbelief. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the yeah. evangel right there. Yeah. The yeah, let me, let me is, let, is, is not critical race theory as an analytical no. tool. Go ahead, Omaha. Now, let me add this, man. I, I, as I as I heard you read that and thought through that, and and I I mentioned yesterday I I watched uh, Mike Stone's interview. What what I what I'm in, what it's impressing upon my heart is is even for as for as much as I desire to see the lost come to Christ, my prayer would be like like Paul, empower me, Lord, help me, give me the wisdom, the courage to do more. Right Amen, to say bro. to say more to 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 be actively involved in more. I think of I think of men who who I who I admire who who go out and do uh, street evangelism on a consistent basis and and their heart for the lost and 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 what it requires for you to have a heart for the lost. My prayer is that is that begin with me, uh, Lord, that that I would have a heart that would desire to see others come to Christ to the degree that I would always be thinking about who it is I need to talk to, share with, engage with, 
to see to share the message of the gospel in the hope that God would use that message to turn their hearts toward himself. Well, see, Omaha, the mind and the heart that you just expressed should be reflected in every single believer. Amen. You see, but but we don't see that as a parent today as it was in Charles Spurgeon's day, for example, right. Or, right. or Martin Lloyd-Jones's day, uh, for example. And the reason is, I'm gonna, I will argue this until I'm blue in the face. The reason is, is because we don't have a right appreciation of sin and what the mm-hmm. penalty is. We don't, we don't have a right appreciation for that because we're so comfortable in our Christianity. Yeah. I, I really believe that if God could give us a, uh, a peek into what hell is like, a peek into what hell is, is, is really like, that perhaps we would get more serious about evangelizing uh, unbelievers. I don't. I don't like to say evangelizing the lost because that's another bumper sticker phrase that we use with no real importance or significance or sense of urgency behind it. Right. I, I, right. I, I, I don't use that phrase. The lost are unbelievers. The lost yes. are unbelieving sinners who are under the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. See, Charles, mm-hmm. Charles Spurgeon appreciated that. If you listen to people like Spurgeon, you can't listen to Spurgeon, but if you read Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. You read Spurgeon and you listen to people like Martin Lloyd Jones. You read, you listen to people like the late R.C. Sproul. You listen right. to people like John MacArthur. See, this, this is this is why people like uh, 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 preachers and theologians like them. Yeah. The reason so many people get offended at their dogmatism around sticking to fundamental gospel principles, mm-hmm. as if being a fundamentalist in that sense is right. is something bad. Right, it's something right. negative. See, right. see and, and then here come the progressive Christians. Pro- progressive, let me say this. Pro- progressive Christianity is oxymoron. <laughs> right, right. How, how can you, see, progressive, the word pro- progressive implies that something has been improved. Yeah, that's good. That we can, something has been advanced, okay? Something has been bettered from its original form. Right. That, that's what that's what the word prof, uh, progressive implies. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that word, when you look at the term progressive pr- uh, Christianity in the context of of what the definition of the word progressive means, you understand that it's an oxymoron. Right. You ca- how can you improve on the work of Christ that has been finished, the work of Christ that rescues you from an eternity in hell? How much right. more progressive can you get than that? No, does it? You can't improve on it. You can't improve, can you on, improve that? on that. How you can can't, you improve? You can't. How can you advance that? How can you better right. that? Right. You see, so so we look at we look at uh, people like Spurgeon, and where Spurgeon is pleading with this congregation to consider sinners, consider unbelievers in Christ, and the mm-hmm. state in which they are under the wrath of God right now. Mm-hmm. See, we mm-hmm. we we got this sort of Hollywood. Uh, uh, movie uh, imagery when, we, when it comes to the wrath of God, we think, well, the wrath of God really is like uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, where you got you know flaming uh, asteroids and fireballs falling from the right. sky. That, that's right. the wrath of God, right? No, if you're if you're an unbeliever, you're under the wrath of God right now. Absolutely, right now, right now. That's John three thirty six. John three thirty six. Right. Jesus Himself says, Jesus says, "He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not he obey does not the believe. Son will not see life." 
But right. the wrath of God abides on him. That's a present tense. That's a present tense verb right, right. now. That, that, right. That's <clears throat> that's Romans 118. That's Romans 118. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're under the wrath of God right now. Okay. So we got this, uh, 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 you know, this sort of gospel of niceness of this gospel, <laughs> this gospel of winsomeness. Right. Well, you, you, you win some evangelicals, you're going to win some right into hell because you're yeah. so focused on being winsome that you won't tell these people the truth. Truth. Absolutely. These, these are Jesus's words in John three thirty six. This wasn't one of the disciples. So you can't blame this one on Paul. <laughs> right. Your, right. Your, your, your new perspective on Paul won't work here. Right. This is John right. 336. Jesus himself is saying, he says, the one who does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. On him. Abides, not will abide, abides. Right. That's right now. But that's also Second Thessalonians. The same Jesus who said that also said this in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Paul is saying here, speaking on behalf of Christ, Paul says, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty. Listen to this. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That's Second yeah. Thessalonians 1 verses 7 through 9. So this same Jesus who you have pictured as, you know, just walking along the beach during the sunset in slow motion, wearing a flowery reef over his head, holding a peace sign and just saying, love, 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 love. Now, this is the same Jesus that Paul is talking about. That's not the Jesus Paul is talking about in Second Thessalonians chapter one. That's right. a totally different Jesus. This is Jesus, the judge. OK, but see, we don't have a depth of appreciation for our sin. That we think that, well, you know, critical race theory, that's not that's not such a bad idea. We should try to make things better for people. Okay, so you're going to try to make things better for people in a world that's passing away. Right. I mean, when you really get into what the gospel teaches, outside of what the world is trying to add to the gospel, you understand that what the world is trying to do is is create a new gospel. Because the gospel doesn't say that. Right. The gospel doesn't say that. Add to that, add to that two things. One, the fact that, that what they claim to be trying to do, they actually, they actually do the opposite. I mean, CRT is, is the promise that it's going to make things better for a group of people when actually it makes things absolutely worse for them. So it's, it's a false promise built upon a false premise. It's a, it's a false gospel. It's a false soteriology. It's, it's, a, it's false a false Exactly right. It's, I was about to say this. a false salvation. Absolutely. It's a false salvation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then secondarily, you, you've got when you talked earlier about about how we have no thought process about the wrath and we we kind of have this Hollywood imagery of it. What came to mind to me is even even with the best of Hollywood imagery that we could come up with, we have no idea. We can't even wrap our mind around what awaits those who 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 are who are not uh, who, who are not his who who are who are not who, who right. are not destined for heaven as a result. Add to that that none of us actually think that God's wrath, however we think about it, 
uh, if we think about it from an eschatological standpoint, we think about it in, in, in terms of, of here and now, none of us ever think to apply that to our own lives to any great measure. Man, right? come on, man. <laughs> we, we think about it for someone else. Hey, that, I'd, I'd, hate, I'd hate to experience God's wrath if I were him. I'd hate to experience God's wrath if I were her. Well, I'd hate to experience God's wrath if I were the white man or if I were this man or that man, yeah. rather than understanding and believing that that wrath abides on you and, and on you and me. And so that, that's, that's kind of the thought process that when you, when you were talking about that, that's kind of what I had in mind. You know, Omaha, as I quote those passages of scripture that I've alluded to earlier, uh, I'm not naive to the fact that there likely are members of the evangelical tone police listening to me right now. <laughs> I'm not naive to that. I got some evangelical tone police people listening to me right now who in their self-righteous zeal and piety have come to the condemnatory conclusion that what I just said was mean and unlovely. Right. Now, but it's to to those folks, it's it's to the tone police that I want to respectfully say, I don't care. (laughs) I really do not care that you feel that way. I don't. In fact, People who by default result to that kind of evangelical emotionalism upon mm-hmm. hearing the truth about what the scriptures themselves declare about hell are part of the reason why satanic philosophies like critical race theory are being welcomed in many churches today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they, they, no, 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 can't talk about hell. Can't talk about sin. No, 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 no. No, you got to be nice and winsome. <laughs> but see, concern about tone has blinded many professional uh, professing believers to the truth. Yeah. Tone is blinding people to the truth. Consequently, they end up not only discerning truth through the subjective filter of their feelings and emotions, but they also end up defining truth by that same standard. Yes. Did you hear yes. me, listeners? Yes. Did you hear yes. what I said? Yes. This, this, the evangelical tone, this concern about tone has blinded so many people to the truth that they end up not only discerning truth through the subjective filter of their feelings and emotions, they also end up defining truth by that same standard. And when you, when you, when you graduate, when, when you, when you go there where you define, you discern truth and you define truth by, by, by means of how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are dying every day. Right. Without Jesus, listen. News broke. Uh, so we're recording this episode of the Just Thinking Podcast on Sunday, March fourteenth, twenty twenty one. News broke yesterday, March thirteenth, that the uh, boxer Marvin Hagler, yes, has died. Yes, died at sixty six years of age. Marvin Hagler. The first thing I thought mm-hmm. when I saw that news uh, trending on Twitter was, I hope he knew the Lord. Absolutely. I hope he knew Jesus. Absolutely. I hope yeah. he knew Jesus. Yeah. Because you know what? All those championship belts, mean all nothing. that money he made mean absolutely nothing to him right now. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. People are dying every day without Christ. And yet there are those in the church today who are more concerned about theory than theology. That's good. I mean, l- l- listen. Listen, my brothers and sisters, no theory can rescue you from God's wrath. Yes. Consider these words from the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 and 10. For they themselves report 
about us, what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to Mm -hmm. wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Hello. Hello. You want to know why Jesus came? Jesus came to rescue sinners from God's wrath. That's why he came. Right. When was the last time you heard an expository sermon about God's wrath? I asked that, Omaha, because sermons that deal with God's wrath don't grow churches today. Right, right, right. They don't. That's not a part of the, that's not a part of the church growth strategy. That's not church growth strategy right there. Teach about no, wrath. No. Ser- sermons about God's wrath, God's holiness, God's justice, God's righteousness do not grow churches today. Instead, they shrink them. Mm-hmm. Again, they shrink them because we're prideful about what, what, what we deserve. Right. Oh, I'm good. I'm good with God. I'm saved. Right. I'm good. I'm straight. Right. I'm straight. I'm good. I'm good to go. As long as I'm good, I don't care about anybody else. So, so, so sermons about God's wrath shrink churches. They don't grow them. Mm-hmm. And, and consequently, evangelicals today would rather focus on ambience, mood and tone so that unbelievers and, um, and believers alike who come through the doors of their churches feel comfortable rather than convicted. Oh my gosh. That is so nice. You have got to say that twice. That is so good. That is think so good. It. When a yeah. church, think, think about how many churches, especially in America today, when they, especially if it's a new church yep, or, or an existing church that's improving to a better building, what do they yep. do? They boast, they boast about their amenities. Yes, got a coffee yeah, shop. We got a coffee shop now. We got. Nah, a I, ain't mad, I, ain't mad at, I ain't mad at the coffee shop, man. I, I know, know you're not, bro, because you just, you just <laughs> what, see what you need. If you were, if you plan a church, you you would have right. to build one with a Red Bull shop, Red Bull shop, and a coffee shop. I'm coffee good. shop. Yeah, but this is what they focus on. They focus yes. on amenities. They want to focus on ambiance, mood, right, and tone, mm-hmm. so that unbelievers and believers alike who come through the doors of their churches feel comfortable rather than convicted. Yeah, they want to feel yeah. comfortable. And mm-hmm. even to the degree that anyone does feel some semblance of conviction, we don't want that conviction to be too uncomfortable for them. No. Why? Because we want to come back. Yes. We want to come back. It, so it ends, it ends up all being about the numbers. Mm-hmm. We want them to come back. We want you to come back. No, we don't, want to, we don't even want their conviction to be uncomfortable. No. So, so, so you come back. We want you to come back. Listen, listen to me, listen. Those of you listening to me right, understand this. Your life is comprised of both a teleological and an eschatological element. Mm-hmm. Okay? Your life is composed of both a teleological and an eschatological element, meaning your life has both a purpose and an end. Right. You are not just here by accident. Okay? There is no, there is no big bang. Okay? All right? It's like R.C. Sproul said. The, the, the universe was not created ex nihilo, out of nothing. Right. We see that we see this evidence in such texts as Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, verses thirteen and fourteen. In the NASB it reads this way: This is Ecclesiastes twelve, verses thirteen and fourteen. Here you have in one ver- in two verses both the teleological and the eschatological. Ecclesiastes twelve, thirteen and fourteen. The conclusion when all has been heard is. Fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. That's the teleological. Verse 14, for God will bring every act to judgment 
everything which is hidden, whether it is good or bad. That's the eschatological. Now, all this to say that the evangelical church, which is comprised of individual believers, must decide between theory or theology. Yeah, that's good. This is an either-or proposition. Mm-hmm. An either-or proposition. There is no straddling the fence on this one because, as Charles Spurgeon said, there are souls at stake. Mm-hmm. There are souls at stake. Eternity is at stake here. Listen, from the moment you were conceived, you were created to live eternally. You will never die. Right. You, you're going to die physically, but you're going to live on after this life somewhere. Spurgeon is right. Souls are at stake. But see, we've lost sight of that because our Christianity has become so comfortable for us. Mm-hmm. We fail to heed the words of Hebrews 13, 13, where believers are exhorted to, exhorted to go outside to him, to go out to Jesus outside the camp, bearing his reproach, mm-hmm. bearing mm-hmm. his reproach. That's Hebrews 13, 13. Believers are to emulate Jesus by bearing his reproach. Mm-hmm. But see, we're so comfortable in our Christianity here. Right. We're so comfortable, man. We're comfortable. We're lazy. We're <laughs> apathetic. We're selfish. We're prideful because we look to the church and to God. We look to the church. And through the church, we look to God to meet my needs. Right, right, right. And and and, and to the to the extent that the church is being uh, is embracing and opening the door, the doors to critical race theory and otherworldly philosophies like the social gospel, liberation theology, and the like. That's what that's all about. It's mm-hmm. about the, the church exists to meet my needs. No, it right. does not. That's the Listen, thought. The church was in the mind of God long before you got here. Mm-hmm. Long before you got before the world was created, the church was in the mind of God. We look at a text like Hebrews thirteen thirteen. Well, we're to bear Christ's reproach. I mean, that text should immediately bring to our minds the words of Jesus in John 17, 15, where again, where he prayed, I alluded to this earlier. Jesus is praying to the Father saying, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. I don't ask you to take them out of the world. And then the very next verse in John 17, 16, Jesus says, they are not of the world. Of the world. That's right. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus is telling you this. Why are you trying to make Jesus out to be a liar? You're trying to make <laughs> Jesus out to be a liar when you're trying to act like the world. Jesus right. already said you're not of the world. Why are you trying to go back in the world? Why do you expect the church to embrace the philosophies and the ideologies of the world when he already said to you, you are not of the world? Not anymore. Not anymore. Jesus did not leave us in the world to be like the world. Do you understand that? Yes. Jesus didn't leave us in the world to be like the world. He left us in the world to be unlike the world. Right. I mean, why is that so difficult for us to understand, Omaha? I don't understand it. I don't understand. I, I, I love that you laid that framework, that foundation. One, and a framework of the importance of the, the message of the gospel. And that we need to live up to the term evangelical, right? If we're if we're gonna yes. if we're gonna if we're, if we're gonna lay hold to it, then we've got to be able to go and share a message of hope to a world that is that that that, that needs it, that that is unbelieving, 
And we should not be shocked or surprised or caught off guard when an unbelieving world operates like unbelievers. What, what should cause us pause is when we witness the church capitulating yes, and, act, and acting like they are unbelievers, that they don't believe the gospel, that they don't believe its message, that they believe it needs to be fixed in some way, dressed up in some way. I think about the mm-hmm. words of, 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 of Paul Washer. I was listening to a sermon this past week of, of Paul Washer, where he, where he talks about the bride of Christ and he talks about how we think we need to dress up this bride and, and, and perhaps lift up her, her skirt just a little bit so that she could be uh, attractive to, to, Man, a, to a lost on. world. Wow. I'm thinking that that's what we're doing. And, uh, and, and we do it in every, in every arena. We do it from, from music to, to, to message. Uh, we, we, we do it for, you know, in, in the area of preaching. We only, we only want to preach for so long because we can only hold people's attention for this much time. And all, all of those things that, 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 that cater to the lost. I, as, as, I, as I think about what you just shared and what you just, just shared really lays a wonderful foundation for where we want to go next. Because what I did with with that thought process in mind was I began to look at the landscape of, of church culture in particular. And, and what I recognize is that, that CRT and critical theory, critical theory, critical race theory has absolutely infected our culture. And what we're seeing is the fruit of, its, of, of, of the demise. We're seeing the fruit of CRT. We're seeing the fruit of critical theory. We're not seeing gospel fruit. Right. What you just what you just explained was if if we were about the gospel, we would see gospel fruit and gospel fruit is actually beneficial to save. It's actually beneficial to transform. It's actually beneficial to to turn the heart heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Mm. But that's but that's not what we've gravitated toward. What we have gravitated toward is CT. And so as I as I've looked uh, at different articles and things I've written, I want to kind of get back to my original thesis that I was arguing. It's while, while, while claiming to be a lens by which to analyze, examine, and restore culture, CT and CRT bring death, destruction, and divisiveness. And I, I said at the outset, this is not hyperbole. <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being hyperbolic here. I, I really believe that with all of my heart. And I want to prove that when you begin to look at what's, what's happening through, through uh, just the, 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 the articles that are written. In fact, I, I'd written an article um, that I, I wrote a piece for the G3 blog that, that was entitled Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. I know you had a chance to take a look at this. They, the, 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 uh, behind the, the colon, I had disappointed, used, and betrayed. So Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden are making the claim that they are disappointed, used, and betrayed. That was the that, that was the that was the idea behind them. Before I get into the, to the blog, I have to say that, that given given the previous podcast, man, that we've done, we 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 have to pause and ask a question about a couple of things. So let me start by asking this question, man. What do you think, brother, of a group? Because we just we just did a podcast where we where we looked at where we looked at the, the doctrine of elections. We talked about election. We talked about how we don't want to leave. Our, our core beliefs, our core doctrinal beliefs uh, outside of the voting booth, that, that we, need to, we need to hold that, that what we believe should inform how we vote. We talked about yes. that. At great, we, 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 have, we have an entire episode. Was it, was it 107? It was 10, no, it was 105. The doctrine of elections is 105. 
105. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage our listeners, if you're picking this up for the first time, go back and listen to that. It is, it is an evergreen uh, uh, episode. And the reason why is, big, is for the very reason that I'm going to lay out here with this, with this particular article. Pro-life evangelicals uh, for Biden disappointed, used, uh, and betrayed. Omaha, let, let me let me dive here real quick before you before yeah. you uh, yep. Yep. before you go into your which was a, amazing blog article by the way, excellent work, bro. Look, the very the very name of that group is a contradiction in terms. Okay, right, it's, it's a contradiction right. in terms. You you cannot say. Uh, see again, this is another <laughs> example. Why why one of my pet fee, pet peeves again is that when the church leverages worldly terminology. Yes, pro life is another worldly term. It's like, yep. I, I, yep. I get, I get what you guys mean by that. I get it. I'm tracking with you. I understand what it means. I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's, there, listen, in 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 God's economy, okay, there's only life and death. Right, there's life. There's death. Okay, right. in in the case of President Biden, okay, he is a he advocates. For the murder of unborn babies. Right. The murder. The murder of unborn babies. Okay. So how can you say, how can you even have the temerity to label this, the name, to name this group pro-life evangelicals for a pro-death president? Right. Right. It's it's contradiction in terms. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Either, either you're lying about being an evangelical, okay, or you, either, or you have. Either, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I don't want to steal your. I don't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead, go ahead. Either you're lying. No, go say, ahead, go e- ahead. E- either you're lying that you're an evangelical, or you've you've lied to yourself that you're saved to begin with, because a a a uh, a, a truly transformed heart, mm-hmm. a truly transformed heart. A truly regenerate heart that has within it residing the Holy Spirit of God could never find a loophole like that yes. and say, "Yeah, we, we're 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 saved. We're believers in Jesus Christ. We're believers right. in the God who, from the moment of conception, creates these human beings to bear His image." Right, and yet you support. The one person for president who, of his own mouth, mm-hmm. advocates for the destruction of those same unborn image bearers. Right, right, absolutely. See, you see, I, I, that, see you're, that they would be better to name themselves hypocritical evangelicals for Biden. <laughs> That's what they should have named themselves. Right, hypocritical right. evangelicals for Biden. That's matter of yep. fact. I dub thee. I dub the hypocritical <laughs> evangelicals for Biden henceforth. Right, right. And, and again, I mean, you totally, totally stole all the thunder in that because I was everything you said was was what I what I had had in, in, in my notes. I said, aside from the oxymoronic group name, we have to ask how they could land on the idea that pro-life and the political positions of Joe Biden are congruent. Right. Exactly. To, to, ac- to accomplish this, they have to do some mental and verbal gymnastics that are yes. unbelievable, right? See, this is this is an example, Omaha, of what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. You can't, you don't. When, when we don't take our sin, we don't take our sin and yes. God's holiness seriously seriously enough. 
you can engage in gymnastics like this. Absolutely. You can get Absolutely. on the balance beam. You, you can get on the balance beam, if you will, and just do your little routine on the balance beam, hoping you don't fall off. That's right. what you do. But see, that's what you do when your heart, when you have no conviction of your own sinfulness and your no conviction of God's holiness to where you can just play. Like I said earlier, you just play this tap dance. You can just mm-hmm. tap dance with the world. And that's right. what that's what this group has done, thinking that that's OK. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so it, it goes back to what I said. I said there's a two part process. The first part of the process for those who are holding the secular theory is deconstruction. Right. Deconstruction and under deconstruction, one of the first things that they have to do is redefine terms. So in this instance, this is how you know that, that CT and CRT has invaded evangelicalism is, is they've adopted their methodology and they've adopted right. it by, by changing the term life. Now, life no longer means what it used to mean. Those right. those who those who claim to hold pro-life positions used to understand that that life meant at the point at the point of conception is human life. Human life begins at the point of conception. Now what they've done is they've they've revised that whole thought process so that now life means something totally different. What it now means is womb to the tomb benefits. Womb to the tomb benefits is now what it it now means. And so to accomplish this, they they have to change the definition. Let me me walk through kind of what they said. What they did as the reason why this was an issue was because the, the those who have uh, have the label pro life evangelicals for uh, for for Biden, they they stated the following. They they were they were disappointed after the COVID relief package happened. So here's what they said: "Quote: We are very disappointed about the COVID nineteen relief package's exclusion of the Hyde Amendment, along with standing bipartisan policy that prevents taxpayer funding for abortion. We're even more upset." that the Biden administration is supporting this bill. Here's what they, here they go on further to say this quote, we feel used and betrayed and have no intention of simply watching these kinds of efforts happen from the sidelines. Many evangelicals and Catholics took risks to support Biden publicly. President Biden and Democrats need to honor their courage End quote. Now, b- before we jump into this, let me explain Man, for those who they're, don't know. They're, they're, that, that group is an absolute joke. Yeah, <laughs> let, let me explain. For, let me explain for those who may not know what the, what the Hyde Amendment actually is. It was nineteen, I believe, it was nineteen seventy six. That there was the Hyde Amendment, and what it was was it was a it was a bill that was put forth to say that 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 taxpayer funds would not be used for the purpose of abortion. Taxpayer funds would not be used for the purpose of abortion. So what what that meant was that any monies that came from Congress would never be used for the funding of abortion. Now, what what Biden and the Biden-Harris administration has declared is that if get and they they stated this very clearly, that if they got into office, that they would remove this this roadblock. They would remove they would remove the Hyde Amendment. And so that they could have fully funded abortion. They were not, they were not silent about this. They were not they covert said it. about they this. They said it they openly. Said it. They said it openly. And, 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 to, and there was a, there was only a, there was a small handful of evangelicals who went, what? Are you kidding me? But, but there, everyone else were, fell silent on this issue. So they said it not only that, if you go to the Democratic Party platform, 
It is actually in their party platform that yes. they would remove the Hyde Amendment. Okay, so th- this wasn't covert. This wasn't. And here's the crazy part about this. I, you, you would have expected at least like 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 Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter would go behind the scenes and maybe work out a deal with the administration. These evangelicals didn't even work out a deal in a smoke filled room. They, got like, they didn't say, hey, they got nothing. They got absolutely nothing for their vote, but yet they still capitulated on the issue of life. And the way that they had to do it was they had to they had to transform the meaning of life to mean wound, womb from the tomb uh, benefits. So that and, and let me let me let me tell you what let me show you what I mean by that. What do I mean by that? Um, moving up to the election, pro-life evangelicals for Biden redefine life by making the following statement. Now, this statement can be found. On their website, they say this, quote, poverty kills millions every year. I have to stop what? because because <laughs> what they because what they're what they're doing is they're setting up their argument for what life now means. Yeah, that, so, that's their abstract. That one sentence right there. That's their abstract. Absolutely. Poverty right. kills. Poverty kills millions every year. So does a lack of health care and smoking. Racism kills. Unless we quickly make major changes, devastating climate change will kill tens of millions. Poverty, lack of accessible, lack of accessible health care services, smoking, racism, and climate change are all pro-life issues, end quote. Now, now, armed with this new definition, pro-life evangelicals for Biden equate the dangers of smoking. Get this. This is this is. This is the crack of CRT. This is the crack. As in drug. Of, 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 yes. Yes. <laughs> this is the, this, this, this is, this is the this crack, crack drug. Cocaine. Yeah. This yeah. Is this crack is the cocaine. crack cocaine of, of critical theory. It, it has you equating, giving moral equivalence to the murder of an innocent child in the womb to the dangers of smoking. Such a convenient position provided the confidence for these quote unquote pro-life evangelicals for Biden to pull the trigger on their candidate. And the question I had that I that I raised in the in the piece that I wrote is at what cost and, and what did they actually get in return for this? They got I, played. I, they, they absolutely got played. I, I, I love what you said at the at the beginning. You you, you dubbed them hypocrites, right? Hypocrites. For hypocrite evangelicals for Biden, I think that's I think that's what what you said. I I I say that to say all this does is it exposes the hypocrisy that that these folks actually displayed by calling themselves pro life evangelicals for Biden and then feigning outrage at the outcome. They begin to, they begin to say, oh, we feel betrayed, we feel duped, we feel used. What what happened is is evidence that that the Biden Harris. Uh, team they actually they were clear about what they intended they actually delivered what they intended and now these quote unquote pro life evangelicals are pretending to be outraged they're 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 feigning Listen, outrage as a result let, let me just keep it real here okay what the what the what these so called pro life evangelicals for biden did is is what is uh, often referred to as the oldest profession in the world <laughs> I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll sum it up by saying this: pro-life evangelicals for Biden should know that the Democratic Party platform holds as sacred the sacrament of the murder of babies in the womb. 
They made it clear in their party platform when they stated this, quote, Democrats oppose and will fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to reproductive health and rights. We will repeal. Let me, let me, let me be clear about what they said on their platform. They said this, we will repeal the Hyde Amendment and protect and codify the right of reproductive freedom, end quote. So I, I said in the article, no one should be surprised in any way, shape, or form that, that Biden and Harris actually kept their promise when they got into office. As a result, this is, this is the result. This is the end result. The end result of, of CT, CRT, social justice, and this leftward lean has infected evangelicalism to the degree that what we're seeing is, is those who are holding on to the CT playbook, they are, they're advocating policies and promoting politicians who support the death of babies in the womb. And so when I say that CRT creates in its wake death, that's exactly what I mean. This is not Great hyperbole. Point, bro. Great point. This is not hyperbole. That's the point that I wanted to make there. Oh, yeah. And, and Any let me, thoughts about that? Yeah, let me just touch on the climate change thing for a second. If, uh, if, if, these, if these truly are evangelicals, then what I want to encourage them to do is go to their Bibles. Okay, if you're so concerned about uh, climate change and the earth being destroyed by man, let me encourage you to open your Bible to the Old Testament book of Job and read Job chapters 37, 38, and 39. Job 37, 38, and 39, that should assuage any fear and concern you have about God's sovereignty, or man rather, man being sovereign over the destiny of this planet, as opposed to God being sovereign over the destiny of this planet. Job chapters 37, 38, and 39, it's in the Old Testament evangelicals for Biden, okay? So open your Bibles, hang a right till you get to Job. And then there you go. Okay, just count the numbers. All right. So, anyway, <laughs> I uh, want. I want. Go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, I want to say this. I want to say go this. Ahead. Okay. You know, uh, I'm sure many of our listeners, Omaha, are familiar with the story of Alice in Wonderland. Okay. Yes. Familiar yes. with that story of Alice in Wonderland, but what they may be less familiar with is the fact that that story, which we refer to as Alice in Wonderland. Is from a book by Lewis Carroll. It's from the book by Lewis Carroll titled Through the Looking Glass. Mm. Okay, so Alice in Wonderland is based on the book by Lewis Carroll titled Through the Looking Glass. And in Carroll's book, in Lewis Carroll's, Carroll's book, uh, there, there's a point where Alice comes to a fork in the road. Okay, that's so Alice comes to a fork in the road. She's lost and she's unsure of where to go. Now, Alice sees, in, the, in this scene, Alice sees a Cheshire cat, okay? She sees a Cheshire cat, and she asks the cat, which road should I take? And instead of answering Alice directly, the Cheshire cat responds, well, that depends. Where do you want to go? And Alice responds, well, I don't know where I want to go. To which the Cheshire cat replies, then it doesn't really matter which road you take. Mm. That is why that, that's an, that, that's just a, a depiction of why we chose the title of this episode of the Just Thinking Podcast: Theory or Theology. Yeah, and why absolutely. we chose the graphic of the highway with the two arrows, one pointing left, one pointing right. See what Lewis Carroll has presented in his book, Through the Looking Glass, is a perfect depiction of the state of the evangelical church today. 
Mm-hmm. You see, the evangelical church finds itself yet again at a fork in the road. This isn't the first fork in the road the evangelical church has faced. It's just the latest one. Right. The difference, however, is that unlike Alice, who genuinely had no idea where she was going, the church knows which road it should take. Bro, that is so good. That is so, so good. That is so good. The church has no excuse. See, 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 see the church needs to understand that this, this, what the Cheshire Cat said to Alice is so profound. The Cheshire Cat says, well, if you don't know where you want to go, then it doesn't really matter which road you take, does it? Mm-hmm. But see, the church, the church doesn't have that excuse. The church knows which road it should take. And the road it should take is the narrow road. That's it's the good. narrow road. That's you good. and I did. A, you and I did a two-part episode of, the, of our podcast on the narrow road. We titled it mm-hmm. "The Narrow Road." We have a mm-hmm. two-part podcast episode on the narrow road. I, I encourage our listeners to go to JustThinking.me, hit that podcast tab, and then go back and listen to those two episodes titled "The Narrow Road." We, the church knows which road it should take. It's a narrow road, but we don't want to take that road, Omaha. And let me tell you why we don't want to take that road. Because taking that narrow road will cost us something. Yeah. And we don't yeah. want to pay the cost. We do not yeah. want to pay the cost because it might mean we'll actually have to carry a cross and die to ourselves, mm-hmm. just like Jesus said we're to do in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, where he said this. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. You know, as I, as I read those words from Luke 9, verses 23 and 24, Omaha, I'm thinking back to the uh, Gospels where you have the accounts of where Jesus calls the disciples individually. And given that the majority of the disciples were fishermen, I love reading the accounts where when he called them, the, the, the text says in the Gospel that they left their fishing boats. They left yeah. their nest. Yeah. They left their fishing boat. One account says they, they left their fishing boat and their father. So when, we, when, when Jesus says here in Luke 9 about taking up his, his cross and coming after me, Jesus, so that phrase come after, that means you leave everything behind. Mm, that's good. That's good. Yep. You yep. leave everything, including mm-hmm. your own comfort, including your own uh, priorities, your own dreams and goals even. You leave that behind for the sake of following Christ and taking up your cross daily. You know, Jesus again, Mark chapter 8, verse 35, Jesus says this, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Yes. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. That's Mark 835. Now, my point here, Omaha, is that we have within evangelicalism today a mass of professing Christians who don't want to lose their life yes. for the sake of Christ and his gospel. They don't want to lose it. They're holding on so tight to it. They've got arthritis in those hands because they're ta- holding on so tight to it. They don't want to carry that cross. They don't. Mm-hmm. They do not. If they were honest, they would admit, I don't want to carry this cross. Right. That is why the evangelical church is so susceptible to demonic philosophies like critical race theory, so as to make the gospel inoffensive to a group of people who want absolutely nothing to do with the gospel to begin with. This is Come what I understand. Oh man, come on, come on, brother. That's good right there. That is good right there. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Why is the church entertaining critical race theory from a group of people who don't care about the gospel to begin with? Mm-hmm. Listen, there was more reaction on social media lately to Beth Moore's announcing her departure from the Southern Baptist Convention than there was about the spiritual and relational damage being done by critical race theory in the denomination that she left. Absolutely. Now you have to ask your question, why is that? Why, 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 why would, why would there be more consternation, more attention given to a, a one, one individual announcing her departure from a denomination mm-hmm. than there is about the damage that critical race theory is doing in that same denomination. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. as I think about what CRT and the social gospel are doing in the Southern Baptist Convention and the Southern Baptist seminaries, I can't help Omaha but harken back to the analogy of Alice and the fork in the road. I, I mean, it's one thing to come upon a fork in the road through no fault of your own. But it's another thing altogether to bring that fork in the road to you. Right. And the latter is precisely what the SBC and the evangelical church has done by opening its doors to ungodly heresies as critical race theory. Listen, Mm -hmm. if you're a professing Christian who thinks there is advantage to adding an, quote, analytical tool, unquote, like critical race theory or anything else for that matter to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which you came to believe in solely by the grace of God, then what you have to do is change your vocabulary and stop calling it the gospel. You have to change your vocabulary. Don't call it the gospel because you're going to have to find some other label by which to refer to the gospel because what you're saying is that the gospel actually isn't sufficient for life and godliness as the apostle Peter says it is in 2 Peter 1.3. And all this brings to mind a question I'm compelled to pose to professing Christians who are listening to me right now. That question is this. What do you think the gospel is? What do you think the gospel is for? I mean, if you think the gospel is to be presented to sinners in such a way as to be unoffensive to them, I want to say to you very respectfully that you have no idea what the gospel is. Do you not realize? that sinners have already offended God by virtue of being sinners. I mean, what arrogance it is to take the gospel, which is inherently offensive to a sinful world that is on its way to hell and think it shouldn't be offensive. This is unbelievable to me. Have you not read what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18? Paul says, for the word of the cross, that is the gospel. That's another way to define, to, to describe the gospel. The gospel is the word of the cross. Paul says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Okay, the world, the, the, the world that is embracing critical race, they're, they're perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Have you not read that? You know, Muhammad, that verse in 1 Corinthians 1.18 brings to mind these lyrics from a song by Michael Carr that I used to love back in the day. It's titled God's Own Fool. God's Own Fool by Michael Cart, where these lyrics, here's some of the lyrics from that song where Cart sings, when we in our foolishness thought we were wise, he played the fool and he opened our eyes. When we in our weakness believed we were strong, he became helpless to show we were wrong. Mm. And so we follow God's own fool, for only the foolish can tell. Believe the unbelievable, come be a fool as well. See, that's, wow. that's, that's the mission of the church. 
the mission mm-hmm. of the church should be proclaiming to an, uh, inviting an unbelieving uh, 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 world that is under God's wrath. Come be a fool. Mm-hmm. Come be a fool. Come be a fool. Come, come be a, 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 a come, come participate in this foolishness that Paul says in, that Paul describes in First Corinthians one eighteen that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. Come be a fool. I mean, who who cares that a celebrity Christian female with a blue check mark on her social media platforms announces her departure from a denomination when people are dying without knowing Christ as their savior and going to hell? Right. Who cares? Right. I mean, it's long past the time for the evangelical church to truly be evangelical again and get back to preaching the evangel, the good mm-hmm. news that God, not critical race theory, not Beth Moore, saves sinners. That's First Timothy one fifteen. I'll wrap it up with that, bro. You got something? Yeah. I do. Let me hit you with, with two things quickly. And you alluded to one of them, which is the, the, the departure of Beth Moore. Before I get there, because again, my, my, I wanted to kind of establish a thought process that CRT, its invasion into uh, uh, church culture uh, brings about death, destruction, and divisiveness. And so we talked about the death component. The destruction component is absolutely in view when you look at the, 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 impact uh, in culture on the issue of male and female, right? And so right. What, you have, what you have is an, is an article uh, printed in the New York Post that says four states advance laws that would ban transgender kids from sports. It's by Jesse O'Neill, dated February 12th of 2021. And, and, and what, what this article, I won't read all of it to you, what this article expresses is that there are four states, North Dakota, Mississippi, Utah, and Tennessee, that are all cons- either considering or in some, some uh, p- part of a process of advancing legislation that simply states that a male is a male and a female is a female, mm-hmm. and that, that men should not be, biological men should not be participating in sports where biological women are participating, nor should they be in locker rooms, nor should they be in bathrooms, nor should they share the same kinds of spaces, all in, in, in the name of social justice, critical theory, the idea that, that there's this equity that should be taking place as a result. And I could change, I could change my idea about, about who I am uh, based upon what I feel, and that becomes true. Those kinds of things are, are in view. Let me let me let me walk through a part of a part of the reason why this is this is problematic. One is this feminism has created kind of the mess that we're in currently in women's sports where biological men are able to compete uh, against women. And what we're seeing in this instance is uh, is the impact of Romans chapter one, verses 21 and following. Right. For it which says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him uh, nor gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and they were darkened in their foolish hearts. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. This, again, is the fruit of feminism. There's no longer any distinction between males and females. Right. Equality, equality now pushed through the lens of social justice will always give way to the idea of equity. Let me say that again. Equality pushed through the lens of social justice will always give way to equity. What, we, what, what, will be, what will be said is we want equality. We want equality. 
Now, biblically speaking, we all understand that that we are created in the image of God, male and female. That there's that that, that we are equal in the eyes of God, both in this from the standpoint of being image bearers of God and having access to this great salvation that has been given to us through the Son. So we understand the equality that is deemed uh, uh, clear that that is absolutely clear in Scripture. But what happens when equality is pushed through the lens of social justice? On the end of that results equity. What they mean by equality now is equity of outcome. So right. now equi- equity demands that that people, and I, and I put that in air quotes, that people have menstrual cycles, right? That's what we're seeing in the culture. That's the absurdity that we're seeing in the culture, that the equality na- or equity now demands that people, not women, women don't have menstrual cycles. Right. Because that, that would that would not be equity. Now we have to say that 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 people have menstrual cycles. Right. Now. Now. Now people become pregnant, not women become pregnant, uh, not moms, you know, not 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 women become pregnant, not 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 someone as a mother. We have to actually remove the word mother from our language. Now people can get pregnant. We can we can no longer even say this was a term a, a term that now has to be eradicated from our vernacular as well. Breastfeeding. I don't know if you saw the article that said now breastfeeding is no yes. longer something that healthcare providers can actually use. Now they're told yes. that the terminology that they're to use is chest feeding. Yes. All all of that in the in the name of equity. Protection for women is no longer a societal objective. Terms like toxic masculinity require men to become more feminine and women to become more masculine. Therefore, the goal of feminism is to make women men. Now, I, I know this isn't where we're supposed to go, but but I, I wondered what your thoughts were on on the idea that seems to be stirring. There's an idea that's stirring right now. Uh, yeah, I, and I, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you, you know, you yeah, know where just, I'm going to go? I was just going to say, man, what, what, we're, what we're seeing in everything that you just broke down is an attack upon God and God's structure, God structure of humankind. Absolutely. This is exact. Listen, the, the attack is not on the systems and the institutions. The attack is not on the, on even the church. For that right. matter, the attack is on God. Absolutely. The attack Absolutely. is on God and the Bible. That is, what's, that, that is what we're seeing in the world. You know, as I think about the role that feminism is playing here, I go back to Genesis 3. We're part of the curse, uh, uh, where, uh, the part of the curse where God is, is doling out judgment to Adam, Eve, and the serpent. Part of, the, part of what he does to, with, with regard to Eve, he says, your desire will be for your husband. Now, when we understand that, uh, uh, that, that text, that passage, that doesn't mean that Eve's desire will be, Eve's as an individual, that the individual woman that was Eve would be, uh, uh, would have a desire for Adam, her husband. God is talking about the entire Feminine, uh, every every woman that will proceed from Eve will be desired to be in the role of the man. Yes. That's what that's saying there. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're seeing in feminists. And we have feminists within evangelicalism as well who are trying to destroy God's ecclesiastical order for the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the, in the church, not just in the world. It's happening in the church right now. And let me just say, Omaha, I I need to plug a a book right here. Because what you're what you're saying there, what you just broke down, what you just exposited, reminds me of a book by Dr. Peter Jones titled "The Other Worldview." It's yes, called "The Other Worldview." Book. Yep. If you have not gotten that book, please get that book. Uh, the late Dr. R.C. Sproul wrote the foreword 
for the book. Mm-hmm. It's the other worldview subtitle exposing Christianity's greatest threat. This yeah. is Dr. Peter Jones' excellent treatment of what is happening in the world today when we're seeing all of these uh, 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 ideologies and philosophies. And now it's happening, uh, you know, going back to the evangelicals for Biden, folks who Chris, professing Christians who voted for him, who mm-hmm. voted for Biden, Harris, are, are guilty of helping facilitate exactly what you just said, Omaha. Mm-hmm. They're guilty. They're guilty of helping bring that to pass. So, you know, we, we talked about the Equality Act um, um, yep. uh, in our last episode as well. We're talking about the Equality Act. You and I were talking about the Equality Act in the summer of June uh, of uh, the summer of 2019 when yeah. nobody else was. Right. So not only not only. Did, I think we did two. We did two episodes, did two on, episodes that, did on that. We did two episodes on the Equality Act when no one was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's talking about it. Well, it's a little late mm-hmm. now because even <laughs> for Biden helped get into office. The administration who told you, yep, again, just like they told you what they were going to do on abortion. They told you and, and the Hyde Amendment. They told mm-hmm. you what they were going to do about mm-hmm. the Equality Act. They told you we're going to pass this in the law. Yep. So and yep. you have you have people like these evangelical feminists and people like evangelicals for Biden who helped bring that to pass. Okay, so but again. Go get the book, The Other World View, Exposing Christianity's Greatest Threat by Dr. Peter Jones. Check it that's out. A great, that's a great book. Great book. Great read. Uh, it it definitely, definitely stretches your thinking, and it's incredibly helpful, providing great insight into what we're dealing with. Last thing I'll mention on, the, on that topic with regard to male and female is, and I, I don't know if you saw this, or maybe you did, the, the newest uh, kind of woke hermeneutic on, on transgenderism, right? So now, now what, what these, what, what these woke evangelicals are doing is they're grabbing Acts chapter eight, uh, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. And they're trying to, they're, they're trying to posit the idea that transgenderism was actually in the Bible and then represented by the Ethiopian eunuch. Have you, have you seen this? Uh, I've not seen that, but I just turned to Acts eight. Do, do they, do, do folks who believe that understand what a eunuch is? Right. I, it, 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 I, I don't think it, I don't think it matters. The, the, the truth again <laughs> doesn't matter to, to, to what they're trying to accomplish with the idea that, that their, you know, their identity, whatever they've deemed it to be on a given day can be, can, can be, um, put forward, can be pushed forward through the, through the pages of scripture. And they, they just want to, they, they want, and we talked about this earlier, the, the, the level of, of gymnastics, mental gymnastics, theological gymnastics, verbal gymnastics that are required for you to think that a eunuch is somehow a transgender right. is, is, is That's absolutely why I asked the insane. Yeah. That's exactly why I asked the question. Do they even yeah. understand what a eunuch is? This is unbelievable. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but that that's the, those are the kinds of issues that we're facing. Let me let, let me let me land on this last thing and you brought it up earlier, uh, which is the departure of Beth Moore from the SBC, the departure of Beth Moore from the SBC. I, I, I mentioned the, the three things, death, destruction, and division. And, and, and the destruction that I mentioned was the, the male-female divide and, and how it, it's absolute, those lines are so blurred that, that there's absolute destruction. And then finally, the, the divisiveness 
and and I and I use this, and I'm I'm leaping off of of what Beth Moore has has endeavored to do within evangelicalism from the time that 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 she's been woke, and I, I don't know how many years that goes back. Maybe it's three years, maybe it's five years. I know it's a recent occurrence, uh, and 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 the tweeting and 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 her positing for or pushing the idea of of egalitarianism, the need for 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 women to do more uh, in the church and, and, and even, even the rumor mill that surrounded uh, a, 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 the idea that perhaps she would run for the presidency of the SBC. We've got that. We've got, we've got the backdrop of all of what she's been doing, uh, advancing the, the cause of, of wokeism. Right, the, the the idea that that blacks. I mean, I, I remember a, a particular tweet that she had that she had pushed out uh, about how she was 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 needing to read more of her black brothers and sisters and theology books and yes, and, I remember, com- yeah. and, and and commentaries as if as if the Holy Spirit was not necessary. What we needed was someone with a particular melanin count uh, in order to really understand a true nature of what Scripture has to offer mm-hmm. uh, for for, mm-hmm. for us. And so, when when you see this departure, man, I, I, I wondered what your thoughts were about this, how you responded to this. I thought, and and I'll, I'll plug this particular blog article that I thought I, I thought our man Tom Buck did a fantastic job of of of, of landing on a very balanced approach. Uh, to this particular issue. The title of the blog article is Beth Moore's Departure and the SBC's Failure. Any thoughts about that in particular? You know, when I saw the news uh, break that uh, Beth Moore had announced her departure uh, from the SBC, the first thought I thought was, uh, the first thought that came to mind was that denominationalism is not salvific. So, as far as I'm concerned, her announcement is just kind of fell on on death ears. Denominationalism is not salvific. Right. Okay, the blood of Christ saves people. The blood of Christ saves believers. But mm-hmm. secondary to that is, I think the evangelical church is in a sad state of affairs when someone feels she has to announce her departure from a denomination. Right. As if, as if. And I fought the denomination in part for this as if she was individually significant yes. to the mission yes. that the denomination yes. should be involved in. Yes. Yes. Uh, see, so, so that's where I fought the Southern Baptist Committee. Now, I was a Southern Baptist for almost 30 years yeah. of my life. That yeah. um, was prior to becoming reformed. I'm not SBC anymore. But I have an affinity for for that denomination. I was in it for for quite a, a large part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for 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 one individual to number one announce that she's leaving a denomination, and then that that announced the attention that that announcement got, mm-hmm. that should never be the case within the church. Right. That should that should never be the case within the church. Let 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 whoever wants to announce their departure, let them announce it. But that they announce it should not be a big deal. That shouldn't be because the church is about Jesus Christ. I don't care who leaves it. Right. I don't care who leaves it. Christ right. is the Lord of the church. Christ is. And to whatever degree uh, uh, Christ chooses to refine his church by someone leaving or, or, or adding someone to it, that's, mm-hmm. that's God's doing. That's right. God's doing. So, so that, was, that was my first thought. Was that why would someone announce that as if it's about them? 
right? As if it's about them. Uh, this, to me, it just falls within uh, the uh, the precept that, that Jesus gave in the Gospels, where you don't let your left hand know what the right hand what your right hand is doing. You don't right. boast about something like that because you're making it all about you, right? As opposed to being all about Christ and His church, right? Right. I, there, there were there were a number of thoughts I had. One is if you understand the structure of the SBC, the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention is only that it's a convention. It's not a it, it, each church within the convention operates autonomously. So who is she really leaving? Yeah. Is, is, is she leaving her own church? I mean, what does that what does that even mean? But but I think it I think it amplifies what you just said, which is she believes herself and recognizes she's an entity. And she wanted to make a statement. Now, her 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 leaving, her departure, is is not not based upon some some heresy of the church, but it's based upon everything that we talked about, which was her being beholden to things like CRT, her being beholden to things like social justice, her being beholden to things like egalitarianism. And when she doesn't see the church doing, it's the SPC in particular going in the direction that she believes it needs to go in, her thought right. process is, I need to leave it. Yeah, I'm I, I need to leave. go. I'm going to just take, I'm my, just I'm gonna gonna take my kickball and go home. You know, absolutely. As if, it, as if it's about her. Right. Absolutely. I mean, come on. Absolutely. We've absolutely got this twisted. The idea that we've amplified these celebrity, uh, I don't, you can't even say pastors, these, 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 these celebrity personalities and and given them the level of status that she has, and I, and I think you, you said it well when you mentioned, you know, these these checkmark personalities uh, that 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 believe themselves to be way more than they should. And and I I don't say good riddance, I, I, but 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 I'm not disappointed. I'm not sad to see this take place. Um, it, 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 I think it marks a bigger issue uh, that that those who who do align themselves with the SBC. Need to look at, need to address, and uh, my, my hope is that that will take place come this summer. But again, critical race theory, going back to where we started, which is this: this is the bowl of cereal that everybody's pushed around, that they've now pushed over to Mikey, and, and Mikey is 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 eating this thing up. The SBC is eating this thing up, and it's having it's having damaging impact everywhere we turn. And I think I think going back to the the point that you made, and constantly continue to beat the drum of is that we're at a crossroads and we have a decision to make. Are we going to go the road of, of secular theology or are we going to take the road to biblical theology? And I think it's important that we take the narrow road that, that the Bible encourages us to take. That's about everything that I've got, man, on this freestyle episode. Anything you want to you wanna lead out with? Well, I'll just say this, man, as we wrap up this uh, freestyle episode of the Justin You Podcast, you know, when you look at, uh, you, you talk about uh, celebrity Christianity and uh, blue check mark evangelism. Uh, uh, I, for one, uh, wholeheartedly believe that, that celebrity Christianity needs to be killed. I mean, that that just needs to die. Um, be, you, you know, the, the church is about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. The church is about Jesus Christ. No one individual, no one individual who has a blue check mark or who has a, a platform as a quote celebrity unquote died for the church christ died for his church christ is building his church christ Mm -hmm. doesn't need any of us he doesn't need a single 
one of us. And see, what we've done, we've, we've confused God using us with God needing us. Mm. We, we've confused. No, that, no, you got that backward. God doesn't need you. That he uses you doesn't mean he needs you. Yeah. There's only one God. I'm not him. You're not him. Okay, remember that. And, and if we remember that, we, then we can refocus and have our priorities and yeah. our allegiances and our affections, more importantly, aligned with Scripture, knowing that we serve God by God's grace, by God's mercy. Every single heartbeat we take is by God's mercy. Mm-hmm. And we need to repent of the pride and arrogance that yeah. makes us think his church is about us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I concur, man. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna close with prayer. I will just say this uh, to those who might look at, at at what we do at just thinking is, hey, man, you guys have built a platform and you're, you're well known. I, I don't think any of you, if you've ever had an opportunity to encounter Daryl and I, uh, man, we never, we never dreamt that we would have the kind of opportunity uh, that we have to share what we do with so many people. We're, we're, we're so humbled by it. We're thankful for it. Uh, you, you'll, you'll never see us operate from a standpoint of believing we, we, we matter, uh, more, more than, more than, more than, you know, more than someone else. Um, we're all image bearers of God. We're all sinful human beings, uh, needing of God's grace and mercy, grateful for, uh, the salvation that he's afforded us through the sacrifice of his son. Um, man, if, if, if this, if what we did, if, if, if what we did, if what I do, I could speak definitely for myself. If, if, if what God allowed me to do stop tomorrow, I'd still have every reason to give him praise and thanks, uh, because of what he's done through the sacrifice of his son. Um, Amen, bro. I'm, 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 I'm grateful for what we get the opportunity to do through this platform. Uh, but man, at the end of the day, all that matters to me is that, is that I live a life that, that honors him. Uh, and that glorifies him. And uh, if that means I do that in, in some level or manner of, of obscurity, so be it. Uh, that, that, would, that would be what God, what God desires. But, but, but the idea that me leaving Amen, somewhere, that the, the idea that me departing some, some place is going to change what God is going to do in the advance of his kingdom is absolutely, uh, it, it's just ridiculous. That's just not where, that's just not where we stand in any way, shape, yeah. or form. Anything you want to add to that, brother? No, nah, well said, bro. Nothing to add to that. That was well put. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me close with prayer and uh, just give God thanks. Father God, we just give you thanks and praise for all that you do, uh, for who you are, uh, for what you've done in the sending of your son and the shedding of his blood, uh, in, in the awakening of our hearts to that truth, that gospel truth, uh, by saving us. Uh, and then through that same gospel, conforming us into the image of your son. We're grateful for that. My prayer would be that our hearts would be pricked, that we who have been transformed by that gospel, our hearts would be pricked, would be sensitive to the fact that there are those who still have not experienced that salvation, so great a salvation, uh, that they would come into a saving knowledge of that truth through that through our efforts to proclaim that truth to them and, and, and by your spirit moving upon their hearts as you draw men unto yourself. We're grateful for that. We're thankful for this podcast. We're thankful for those who listen. Uh, we ask you to use it to glorify yourself. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that. Well, you Omaha. have, you absolutely, man. We, we always enjoy this is another freestyle episode and we're hopeful that you were benefited and blessed by that. As we say at the close of every episode, we look forward to seeing you next time on the Just Thinking Podcast. 
Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3JT. That's G3JT.